محمد رسول الله اشهد ان محمد رسول الله الحمدللہ ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا وسندنا ونبينا وشفيعنا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى الحج أشهر معلومات فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث ولا فسوف ولا زدال في الحج صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين respected elders and brothers السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته In today's short discussion, I'd like to share with you some very pertinent advices which are actually some important points of solace that a great scholar of Islamic history has given to those members of the Ummah of Rasulullah who weren't able to perform the Hajj. So he reminds us that the actual purpose of Hajj and not only of Hajj, but our actual purpose of existence on this earth is to enhance our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very explicitly states in the quran Kareem, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُونَ We all know and we appreciate the fact that none of us came into existence on our own will and accord. There wasn't any petition that we signed and that petition was accepted and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted us this great ni'mah of life. It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who decided to grant us existence life on this earth and obviously 
Alim, Al Hakim, Al Aziz. When he makes a decision, there is profound wisdom behind the decision. Allah has not sent us into this world and has not granted us the existence and the ni'mat of life without any purpose. He has not granted it to us in vain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a very profound purpose behind sending us into this world. And what is that purpose? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very explicitly states. And this is an ongoing discussion in the non-Muslim world. What is our purpose of existence? Is it just to make money? Now they've gone to the extent of saying, no, no, it can't just be to make money. We have to have some fulfillment in our lives. And how does that fulfillment come about? And there's long and discussions on this. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved us, the Muslim ummah, from all of those unnecessary discussions and explicitly told us the purpose of your existence is the word used in this ayah is ibadah. Sometimes loosely translated as worship. However, worship doesn't do justice to this very profound and deep and wide word, ibadah. Ibadah refers to living your life in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, part of that submission would be to carry out the normal acts of ibadah, the rites of worship, the salah, zakah, hajj, etc. That is ibadah. That is the main way of getting closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But other than that, ibadah also entails living one's life in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we engage in business transactions, to engage in those transactions in a way that would not displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we engage in interpersonal relationships, to engage in those relationships in a way that would not displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we interact with other people, to interact in a way that would not displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And basically to lead exemplary lives. Lives that, that become an example example for others. So this is our purpose on this planet. And how do we achieve this purpose of living in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What objective do we achieve by it? What goal do we achieve by it? What ni'mat do we achieve by it? It is this ni'mat of maintaining and enhancing our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what is our purpose of existence. So this great scholar of the 8th century Hijri, Imam Ibn Rajab Al-Hambali Rahmatullah Alayhi, great muhaddith, as well as a great Sufi, a great Allah Wala of the time. He reminds us that this purpose of enhancing and strengthening our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just as the hajis had this very unique opportunity of engaging in the hajj and strengthening their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a very unique way. Those who are not afforded that opportunity need not become despondent because that very purpose of strengthening your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
subhanahu wa ta'ala can be achieved even while sitting at home. And then he draws a number of parallels between the person who was not afforded that opportunity and how he can gain the same objective of that relationship that the hajis and that sawab that the hajis have acquired during the hajj. So he says in a very beautiful and eloquent way, إِخْوَانِي إِنْ حُبِسْتُ مِلْعَامَ عَنِ الْحَجِّ فَرْجِعُوا إِلَىٰ جِهَادِ النُّفُوسِ فَهُوَ الْجِهَادُ الْأَكْبَرُ That all my brothers, if you have not been afforded the opportunity of going for hajj, then do not despair, do not become despondent. For, and he alludes to a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which the, some female sahaba, sahabiyat requested Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for permission to go in jihad because the, it was known amongst the sahaba that the jihad, obviously according to the requirements that are, have been stipulated by the sharia, that's a total a dedicated discussion on its own. It's not that somebody can just, uh, you know, stand up and start saying that he wants to go for jihad. It, there's a whole discussion behind it, but it was known to the Sahaba Ikram and the Sahabiyat that the reward of jihad, there is nothing that equates to the reward of jihad. So some Sahabiyat requested Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for permission to partake in a jihad. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam advised them that they had their jihad was hajj. Right? So alluding to that, the, the scholar Imam Ibn Rajab al-Hambali says, for those who want who weren't able to take part, even for the males who weren't able to take part in the hajj, they have a jihad that they can take part in, and yet that is the jihad against one's evil desires, the desires that displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is referred to by the Sufis as al-jihad al-akbar, the greater jihad. When you are, when you have to counter your desires, the desires that displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is a consistent effort, it's a continuous effort. It's not like a person goes out in jihad and then he gains shahada and martyrdom and that's it. Although that's a very, very great status and we can't even imagine the status of the shuhada, etc. But for people who are not afforded that opportunity, then for them this consistent effort, this consistent jihad against one's desires that displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the greater jihad. And jihad has a virtue over hajj as well. So don't become despondent. Don't become despondent. For He's addressing those who aren't able to go for hajj. He's saying don't become despondent because you have the opportunity of engaging an al-jihad al-akbar against your nafs. And inshallah, you will get the reward of al-jihad al-akbar, which in some respects might even be greater than the reward of hajj. So don't become despondent. He goes on to say, وَأَوْأُحْسِرْتُمْ عَنْ أَدَاءِ النُّسُكِ فَأَرِيقُوا عَلَىٰ تَخَلُّفِكُمْ مِنَ الدُّمُوعِ مَا تَيَسَّرَىٰ فَإِنْ لِلْمُحْصَرِ were not able to, and you were impeded from partaking and, and engaging in the hajj, then again do not become despondent. And here he alludes to another 